welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me. Box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. I do want to encourage you to check out my wife's business, Ashira Clips. She sells a wide variety of different hairpins, headbands, and hair clips to fit a wide variety of different tastes and hair types. They make great little thinking of you gifts, and you can check them out over at lilarose.biz. That's L-I-L-L-A rose dot biz slash Ashira, A-S-H-I-R-A, lilarose dot biz slash Ashira. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of Philo Vance. The original air date, April the 12th, 1949, and this one is The Green Girl's Murder Case. Anything else, Mr. Vance? Not that I can think of at the moment, Miss Williams. Let me know when Miss Deering comes in, will you please? Yes, sir. Oh, it's time for the news, Mr. Vance. Shall I turn on the radio? It's the only way I know of that I can hear the news, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, sir. Here we are. Mr. Markham didn't call this morning, did he, Miss Williams? Why, no, sir. We haven't heard from the district attorney since the movie murder case, Mr. Vance. I guess he must be busy, huh? I guess so. And that's the news from Washington. On the local scene, police are baffled over a mysterious murder that occurred about midnight last night. Jane Green, daughter of wealthy merchant Eric Green, was found stabbed to death near her home. Neither her distraught parents nor her sister Penny could advance a motive for her death. Police Sergeant Heath has all available men working on the case. Although lack of clues may hinder their operation, Heath disclosed. Other Please turn that off, Miss Williams. Includes yeah. the finding of a kitten. Another murder, huh, Mr. Vance? And the radio said that the police are baffled. The police aren't the only ones, Miss Williams. I'm a little puzzled myself. You're sure Mr. Markham didn't phone me? I'm positive. You could call him, you know, Mr. Vance. Yes, I know, but... Oh, don't bother, Miss Williams. I'll get it. Oh. Vance speaking. Hello, Vance. Markham. Well, how are you, my friend? I rather expected this call, but I expected it earlier. What do you mean? I just heard over the radio about the mysterious murder of Jane Green. I understand there are no clues. Well, uh, uh, yes, that's right, Vance, but some will turn up. They always do, you know. But I just called to check with you and tell you I'll be busy on this case for some time, so we won't be able to get together. Markham, don't you... Don't I want you to work on this case, Vance? I don't think so. Sergeant Heath and his men will find something. Thanks just the same, Vance. I'll be talking to you. Bye. Goodbye. What are you thinking about, Mr. Vance? Miss Williams, Mr. Markham doesn't want me on this case. He has a reason, he thinks. But I think I know what that reason is. Desk, Daniels. Joe, this is McNamara. Give me a rewrite, man. I've got something hot. Give it to me, Mac. I'll take it. Get ready. Here it is. I'll give it to you fast. You can check me for spelling when I'm finished. Shoot. 
While police were combing the city for the mysterious slayer of 20-year-old Jane Green, the killer struck again. Penny Green, older sister of the dead girl, was murdered in the identical manner. I got it. Her body discovered by a passerby in an alley near the Green Mansion. Yeah? A singular feature of the killings, aside from the fact that a knife was used in both instances, was the fact that neither of the victims wore any makeup whatsoever. The meaning of this clue, if it is a clue, is still vague, Sergeant Heath of the Homicide Department admitted. That's all so far. I got it, Mac. You don't have to check for spelling. Better keep on the yarn. It's page one. We'll shoot whatever you give us into the later editions. Right. Okay, Joe, you know what happens if the cops turn up the killer. I know, Mac. You'll call me back. Look, Heath, I don't want to be hard-boiled, but there must be something on those two murders that you've turned up. You've been working on them all day. I'm sorry, D.A. I've had men all over the greenhouse. I've had them checking the lives of those two girls. Something will crack. Something better, Heath. Eric Green is an important man. Have you spoken to him? Well... Have there been any threats made against him or his family? Uh, he and his wife have been under a doctor's care. But, but, but I got to him for a while. Now, nobody tried to hold the guy up for dough. And he can't give us any leads at all. Heath, we've got to find that murderer and find him fast. It looks like whoever it is wants to wipe out the entire Green family. You've got to get me some action. Well, we're working, D.A. Work harder, then. Get me some results. Look, D.A., how is it you haven't brought in your friend Philo Vance on this case? How is... Well, uh, never mind how it is. This is a police case, and you represent the police department. Well... That's all, Heath. Call me if anything breaks. Okay, Mr. Markham, but I still don't know why you didn't call in Vance. I just seem to fit into your arm. Isn't that wonderful? What's wonderful about it? I tried you for size before I decided you'd be my girlfriend. Nice party? Why, you throw the best parties in town, Daddy. What's with this Daddy business? Am I old enough to be your old man? Oh, Daddy, you're so silly. When I call you Daddy, I don't mean Daddy. I mean Daddy. Okay, so I'm Daddy. Hey, Peggy, how about a dance with the company, huh? Oh. Hey, everybody. Peggy's gonna dance. Oh, please, Daddy, not now, huh? Later, all right? It's up to you, baby. Hey, everybody. Peggy's gonna dance for us. Later. Ah, oh, thanks, Daddy, darling. I just like it here with you. It's so cozy. Cozy in a joint with 20 people? Uh-huh. I don't know how you figure that, but it's okay with me. You know, I've been wanting to ask you something, Peg. Hmm? How'd you like a job in that place I run? Me in a gambling house? But what could I do? Look pretty. Take the suckers' minds off the dough they lost. What about it? Oh, sounds good, Daddy. I'll let you know. Now, suppose you let me know something. Anything, baby. What's bothering that pretty blonde head of yours? Well, what I want to know is why you threw this party. What are we celebrating? What are we celebrating? We're celebrating the death of two dames. Jane and Penny Green. <laughs> Mrs. Green, where are you? Over here, Jim. 
I'll keep the lights dim so as not to disturb Mr. Green. Come over. Thanks, Mrs. Green. How is he? He, uh, he isn't too well. The shock of what happened to Jane and Penny has done something to him, the doctor says. He's resting in the next room now. If, if we don't talk too loud, we won't disturb him. I, I just came in to see if there was something I could do, Mrs. Green. Oh, thank you, Jim, but there isn't anything. I, I know how you must feel. You were practically a member of our family. A few more months and I would have been. This awful thing hadn't happened to Jane. Yes. Two months more and we'd have been married. I can't believe all of this. I can't either. It's very hard for all of us. I loved those two girls. They couldn't have been closer to me if I'd been their real mother. I know, Mrs. Green. Both of them used to say that all the time. Please ask me if there's anything you want me to do, will you? Oh, thanks, Jim. I just can't get over how this all happened. Eric and I were sitting here playing chess. We thought Jane was in her room. Then the phone rang, and it was the police telling us what had happened. I wasn't supposed to see her last night. She said she was spending the evening at home with you. I know. That's why Dad and I didn't go out at all. We were here all evening together. Oh, Jim, who could it be who's trying to wipe out our family? I don't know, Mrs. Green. But I promised myself something, though. I won't do any sleeping until the murderer of your daughters is caught. Still nothing, Heath. What are you doing, man? I'm sorry, D.A., but you told me to call in and report, so I'm calling in and reporting. But I haven't got anything new to tell you. We're checking every angle. You're not talking to the newspapers, Heath. You're talking to me. I not only want to know what you're doing, I want to know what results you're getting. Remember that. Well, how can you get results when you can't get any clues? Answer me that. I don't know, Heath. If I did, I'd be doing it myself. I wish you were doing it yourself. Okay, D.A., I'll call you back. Goodbye. How can you get results when you can't get clues? Hello, Markham. Vance. Vance, you're just the man I... Oh, uh, how are you? Well, I think I'm all right. That is, I was all right until I didn't hear from you and the Green Sisters' murders. Oh, that, Vance. Oh, we're doing pretty well with that, thank you. I just didn't think I ought to bother you. Bother me, Markham? Oh, come now. You know how I feel about murder cases, especially those that are so completely puzzling. We'll find out who killed the Green Girls, Vance. Thanks for your interest, but we'll find out for ourselves. I'm a little busy now, so... Markham, I... I just called the newspapers and told them that I was working on the case. You did what? You couldn't, Vance. Why not? Because that's the one thing I didn't want to happen. Well, it's happened. So I don't believe there's anything you can do about it. But, Vance, you don't know what you've done. I think I do. Markham, my friend, I appreciate what you tried to do. Somebody called you and told you that if you called me in on these killings, they'd kill me. You know that? I reasoned it. Right after the first murder, you got a phone call threatening my life. If that somebody had threatened yours, you'd have laughed at him and hung up. But you couldn't take a chance with my life. The caller pointed out that he wasn't asking me to do anything that was against my oath as a district attorney. I debated quite a while. I'm sure you did. That call you got was very complimentary to me. Was it a man or a woman? It was hard to tell, Vance. Whoever it was used a handkerchief over the telephone mouthpiece and disguised the voice. You know, of course, I'm glad you figured out why I didn't call you. (laughs) You're not worried about that threat? Hardly. Markham, I've read up on this case, and I know the important facts. That the two sisters were killed in the identical manner. That neither wore makeup. That one of the sisters was engaged to a man named Jim Manning. Yes, Vance? I'll tell you this. Jane, the first girl killed, was called out of the house by somebody she trusted. Somebody who said it was urgent. The lack of makeup is that clue, Markham. 
Jane Green would never have left the house without taking time to put on makeup if she hadn't known the caller and he hadn't said to hurry. And the other sister, Penny, she was called out by the same person on the same urgent pretext? I'm not so sure about that. But Vance, Penny had on no makeup either. You said yourself there was no other reason you could think of except an emergency message. Yes, I did, didn't I? Well, Markham, there is one other reason. Only it applies to Penny and not Jane. If it's all right with you, I'm going up to see Mr. and Mrs. Green. I promise you some action on these two killings, Markham, and I won't be too long in keeping that promise. City desk, Daniels. Joe, Smack. Yeah? I got an ad to the Green Sisters murder case. Go ahead. Philo Vance, brilliant private investigator whose keen mind has helped the police on numerous criminal cases, has entered the Green Sisters murder case. Right. Vance, in a specially prepared statement, declared that while he has no definite clue to the slayer of the two girls, he is confident that there will be a break in the case within 24 hours. I got it. District Attorney Markham, who previously had declined to the state why he had not asked his friend Vance to investigate the murder, said to this reporter, Hey, I uh, do get a byline, don't I, Joe? The byline runs for the rest of the story, Mike. Yeah, just want to be sure. District Attorney Markham said to this reporter, quote, Vance is confident that he can break the case in 24 hours. Oh, that's it, Joe. Vance made a crack like that? Mm -hmm. Before he even started working on the case? That's right. It's a direct quote. But don't ask me how he expects to crack it. All I know is that if Philo Vance says he'll do it, he'll do it. This is District Attorney Markham. The Green Girl's murder case opened with the finding of the body of Jane Green, daughter of wealthy Mr. and Mrs. Eric Green. The next day, Penny Green was found, murdered in the identical manner as her sister. Philo Vance entered the case this afternoon, and after a talk with me, went immediately to the Green home where he was to meet Sergeant Heath. Heath and Vance should be together about now because it is... You want to see Mr. and Mrs. Green now, Vance? No, Sergeant Heath, not at the moment. Whose room is this? Uh, this was Penny's room. Why? I'd like to see it. There's nothing in it that'll help you, except your diary. Well, come on in. And there are the lights. Thank you. You think the diary will help me? Yeah. Who knows what'll help you? Here it is, over on this dresser. Oh, yes, of course. I'd like to take a look through this. Oh, help yourself. Mm. Went shopping this morning with Jay. Lunch with Jay. Not May. Good show. Home. Home. Hmm. That's the last entry. Made the day of her sister's murder. Yeah. She and her sister went everywhere together. Her sister's name was Jane. Yes, I know, Sergeant. Nothing else in here you think might be helpful? Not a thing. Well, I'll take your word for it. You're a very thorough police officer, Heath. Thanks, Vance. Well, where to now? I thought I might like to talk to Mrs. Green. I understand she's taking this better than her husband. Yeah. Well, she's in here. It's a kind of a sitting room. Uh, you want me in with you? Not unless you want to come. Uh, just as soon not. And I've questioned her till I'm blue in the face. Uh, I'll, I'll see you, Vance. Come in. How do you do, Mrs. Green? I'm Philo Vance. Oh, hello, Mr. Vance. I've been reading about you in this paper. Do you really think you can find out who killed my daughters? I'm going to try, Mrs. Green. 
I may need a little help, though. Well, tell me what you want to know. Thank you. To begin with, I understand your two daughters were very close. Yes, they were. Both of them favorites of their father. Both of them. What about Jane's boyfriend, the lad she was engaged to? Jim Manning? Well, uh, what do you want to know about him? He and Jane were very much in love. I see, Mrs. Green. I'm sorry if this sounds awkward, and I know it will, but where were you at the time Jane was killed? At home, here with my husband. We didn't leave the house all evening. Uh, Sergeant Heath checked that with Mr. Green and the servants. I'm going to tell you why I asked. You see, Mrs. Green, there was a possibility, a remote possibility, of course, that you might have wanted your stepdaughter's dead. I, Mr. Vance? I said it was a remote possibility. The reason might have been this. While they were alive, they would share in Mr. Green's money in the event that he died. I understand he isn't too well. With them dead, you'd get it all. I see what you mean. I'm sorry, Mr. Vance, but I'm afraid you're going to have to look elsewhere for your killer. I was at home. Five people know I was here. Six. I believe that now. Thank you. Mrs. Green, please forgive these wandering eyes of mine, but your purse is open and there's a very strange disc on top of the handkerchief in your pocketbook. What is it? Oh, that? Oh, it's a chip, a poker chip. Mr. Green and I used to have poker parties here once in a while, and, well, I needed some extra chips. I was going to have that one matched. I see. And your husband's name is Eric Green. Yes. The initials on the poker chip are M.G. Mistake, perhaps? The first initial? Oh, yes. I didn't mean the initial, Mrs. Green. What is it? Well, sliding panels in the doors. This is really a gambling house, isn't it? What's it to you? My name is Vance. Philo Vance. I'd like to see the owner of this place. I understand his name is Gibson. Mike Gibson? He ain't in. Get lost. My good man, it took me two hours to find out what individual whose initials were M.G. operated a gambling house. I assure you, I won't leave until I see him. So wait. See what good it does you. Oh, it's trouble, Tommy. Guy named Vance. Philo Vance. He wants in. I don't know him. He don't get in. Them's your orders. Philo Vance? Mm. Open the door, Mike. Glad to have him with us. Okay, you're the boss. Come on in. Thank you. And thank you, Mr. Gibson, for giving your man here permission to let me in. That's all right, Vance. What's in your mind? Can we talk here? Here, out in the gambling room, in my office, anywhere you like. Your office, then. Right this way. Better quarter, I know why you're here, Vance. Gambling isn't my line, Mr. Gibson. I don't generally bet either. Betting is for suckers. <laughs> I like to let them think they can beat percentages. They can't, but they get a whole lot older and a whole lot poorer before they learn. In here. Make yourself comfortable, Vance. Well, thank you, I will. Now, Vance, you're here because of some connection between this joint and the murder of those green kids. That's what you think, Right. That seems a reasonable assumption. You know I don't gamble. You've read I was working on the murders. Yes, that's right, Mr. Gibson. Tell me, did the Green sisters gamble? You know, all of a sudden, I don't hear so good. Did Mrs. Green gamble? Why, hearing it a bit better. How do you count for a thing like that? What is your connection with the murder of the Green girls? Connection? I got no connection. <laughs> hey, Daddy, there's a... I'm sorry, Daddy. I didn't know you were busy. See you in a little while, Peggy. Okay, but... Just a minute, please. Oh, you want to see me? Yes. My name is Vance. 
You work here? Look, Vance, Peggy doesn't know anything about this case. Of course I don't. What case? Never mind. You had a message to deliver to Mr. Gibson just now, Peggy. Sure, he's supposed to call Plaza 81561. Oh, isn't that the number of the green residence, Mr. Gibson? I wouldn't know. So long, Peggy. She's not leaving. Unless you prefer I talk to her outside. Talk to her any way you like. We've got nothing to hide. Personally, I got some business to take care of. Tell him anything he wants to know, Peggy. As if you knew anything. Well? Oh, he's the nicest daddy. All right, Peggy. Let's drop the act. Huh? What's your connection with the Green Girl's murder case? Hey, look, Vince. Don't go tying me up with any murder rap. I'm a girl just, just trying to get along. I don't mess with killings. What about Gibson? I don't mess with killers either. I know better. I don't doubt it. The trouble is, Peggy, that perhaps you don't know enough. <laughs> Hello there, Vance. Hello, Markham. I hope I didn't keep you waiting long. I've just come from a very enlightening meeting with a gambler named Gibson and his girlfriend. Where's Mrs. Green? In her room next to her husband's. She rarely leaves at Vance. I told her you were coming and she said to go right in when you came. Well, then let's go. Good evening, Mrs. Green. Oh, how do you do, Mr. Vance? Uh, hello again, Mr. Markham. Hello. Mrs. Green, I know you'll be very interested in who killed your daughter, so I thought I'd come up to tell you this in person. Is Mr. Green awake? Why, no, he's asleep in the next room. The door's open, so please don't raise your voice if you can help it. I rarely raise my voice, Mrs. Green. What I wanted you to know was this. I've just been to see a gambler named Gibson. That name mean anything to you? Why, no, it doesn't. Good. The police have Mr. Gibson's telephone lines tapped. They can listen to any calls that come to him. In an hour, there'll be a cordon around the block to intercept anyone who tries to get to Mr. Gibson. You better make that two hours, Vance. There are a lot of preparations for what you want. In two hours, then. Now, Mrs. Green, I want you to do something for me. Yes? Get on the telephone and tell Jane's fiancé, Mr. James Manning, exactly what I told you. But add this fact. That Mr. Gibson told me that if I came back this evening, he'd tell me what I want to know about the murder of your two girls. <laughs> Awful weather, Vance. Awful. It's miserable. It's raining cats and dogs. Yes, it is, Sergeant Heath. We're lucky we have this doorway to shelter us. You mean to tell me that that little black door across the street there leads to a gambling joint, Vance? It leads to Mr. Mike Gibson's gambling house, Sergeant. Very swanky, too, believe me. Yeah, I believe you when I see who else it is you expect to drive up there. And Jim Manning was there, but he couldn't get in. How long do you expect? There's somebody, Vance. Got out of that car and headed right for the door. I'm an old fella. Uh, hey, that's Mr. Green. Yes, it is. Is that our suspected murderer, Vance? I'll let you know in a minute, Markham. Want to see if he gets into the gambling house. He's arguing with the guy at the door. The guy just closed the slide in his face. And there goes Mr. Green back in his car. You can forget about Mr. Green, Markham. He isn't involved in those murders. Well, then who is? I think I know who is, but I'll be certain in a few minutes. Hey, what was that Green guy doing out here? He's supposed to be in bed. I can explain that, I think, later. There's another car at the door, Vance. No, no, it's a cab. Hey, a woman's getting out. She just made a beeline for that door. Can't blame her much in this weather, can you, Sergeant? Oh, I guess not. There's that guy sliding open that peephole. Hey, he's letting her in. That's all I wanted to know. Sergeant Heath, you can arrest Mrs. Green for murder. Wait a minute, Vance. When her daughter Jane was killed, we know for a fact that she was in her house. She was, Markham. 
Well, I repeat, you can arrest Mrs. Green for murder. City desk, Daniels. Mac, Joe. Yeah? The Green Sisters case is cracked. Oh, yeah? I just came from an interview with Philo Vance. Get this and get it quick. Go ahead, Mac. Talk. I'll take it from the top. Going way back, Penny Green, that's the second sister who was killed, wanted to marry Jim Manning. That was Jane's fiancé. How did Vance figure that? The initial J in Penny's diary. All along, they took it for granted that that meant Jane. But Vance figured it stood for Jimmy, and he checked. I got it. Jim told Vance he'd had a lot of trouble with Penny because apparently she was in love with him. He went shopping with Penny to buy a present for Jane. That explains the diary notation, eh? Right. The rest of this is a quote from Vance. Quote, At midnight on the murder night, Penny called her sister out of her house saying it was urgent. Jane left and Penny killed her. End quote. Penny killed Jane? Mm-hmm. Then why did they arrest Mrs. Green? Quote from Vance. It was Mrs. Green who killed Penny. She realized what had happened, and she owed a great deal of money to Mike Gibson. She saw a way of getting rid of Penny so that she, Mrs. Green, would own the entire Green estate when Eric Green died, end quote. What about Mike Gibson? Vance says it was probably he who suggested that Mrs. Green kill Penny in the same way that Jane was killed to make the police think that one murderer was at work. It was he, too, who undoubtedly called Markham to keep Vance off the case, Vance thinks. What goes with old man Green? Eric Green was not asleep when Vance asked his wife to call Jim Manning earlier this evening. He heard Vance say that Mike Gibson knew who killed his daughters, so he wanted to find out who it was. Yeah? That's why he went to Gibson's place. Only couldn't get in. Which convinced Vance he hadn't been there before. You see, Vance thought it might have been he who owed Gibson the money. I see. He never was certain that it was Mrs. Green until she got in the gambling house without any trouble. Final quote from Vance. Yeah. Quote, this was all a very clever scheme on the part of Mrs. Green and Gibson. Uh-huh. Undoubtedly, they figured on doing away with Mr. Green eventually, and that would leave Mrs. Green with all the money and Gibson with his outstanding gambling debt collected. Yeah, yeah. After Penny set the stage by murdering her sister under the impression that that would induce Jim Manning to eventually marry her, end quote. Well, that's 30, Joe. Got it. Well, it was a good scheme, I guess. But it sure came to a bad end for Mrs. Green. Yeah, but it's a good end for the Green Girl's murder case.
Welcome back. Okay, this was a somewhat convoluted story, so that's nothing unusual for Philo Vance. And you also have this weird framing device for, you know, things that happen throughout the story, uh, as well as for explaining the solution, which again is a Philo Vance thing for some reason. These two newspaper reporters uh, discussing it. 30 at the end of the report means that's the end of the story. This was something that originated with stories that were sent in via telegram. I don't know whether a reporter would actually do that over the phone, but it was really a symbol that was associated with journalism, so I guess it makes sense to include it here. I did question Markham's logic on how he went along with the killers. He said that it would not be violating his obligations as district attorney. However, I'm not sure his local bar association would agree. It's true that there is not a law that says you have to bring Philo Vance in to investigate every murder, a.k.a. Philo's Law. But the thing is that as an officer of the court and as the district attorney, you uh, gave in to the demands of criminals and to extortion and didn't use the resources you would typically use in furtherance of the performance of your duty. Though I guess uh, any lawyers who would hazard an opinion uh, would be welcome to do so. But that is not the biggest question I had in this episode. Uh, the biggest question comes from very early in the program. Let's go ahead and replay this clip here from about a minute and 11 seconds in. Although lack of clues may hinder their operation, Heath disclosed. Other Please turn that off, Miss Williams. Includes the finding of a kitten. Okay, so the Philo Vance version of New York City has local news that has a story about the finding of a kitten. This raises so many questions for me. Was this a very slow news day? Or, or what was it that made the finding of a kitten noteworthy in the local news uh, section of a New York radio news? And, and could I live in a world where the top or the second local story is the finding of a local kitten? I think that would be a lot happier world. I'm just... Yeah, so many questions about that. As much as I'd like to tell you a heartwarming story about finding a local kitten, uh, instead I've got something nearly as good as we turn to listener comments and feedback. And we start with an email from Barry. Uh, Barry uh, writes in, I just listened to the hi-hat murder case. OMG, it sounds as though the two stars were reading their lines. The supporting actors didn't seem so bad, but wow. I wonder, was this show done as a comedy? The opening scene where the woman asked him not to solve her murder should have been done by Gracie Allen. I can't help but wonder how popular and long-running Philo Vance and The Chameleon were in comparison to other shows of the time. They just don't compare to the rest of your weekly lineup, in my opinion, both the writing and the acting seem poor. I listen and enjoy every day, but these two are for eye rolls and laughs. Blessings to you and your family. Congratulations on the birth of your son. Well, thank you so much, Barry. And um, 
I, I, I guess there are a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you you could not get Gracie Allen for this. Uh, she would not be in their budget. Uh, and this was, you know, recorded in New York. Though so Gracie Allen uh, did actually feature in a Philo Vance movie, The Gracie Allen Murder Case, based on the book, The Gracie Allen Murder Case, which was done as a favor uh, because they were friends with S.S. Van Dyne, the author. Uh, but at, whether it was done as a comedy, it's an interesting question. Uh, what I will say about Philo Vance in particular is that when you look at the credits and you see who is in it, uh, you've got Jackson Beck, who's Radio Hall of Famer. You've got George Petrie, who's a very competent actor, and we've heard him in a couple of different uh, series uh, as star. He played in a version of, I think it was uh, either Murder and Mr. Malone or The Amazing Mr. Malone, and also Call the Police... Uh, and, you know, into radio well into the 60s. Uh, and he plays D.A. Markham. And Joan Alexander appears in this, uh, and she's his secretary. At least the, the main one who who, who appears, uh, or who was intended to appear. She's been on vacation, it seems, for quite a while. But these are very talented actors in uh, New York. So what's happening in uh, Philo Vance is not the result of handing some incompetent, no-talent hacks microphones. These are choices that are being made in terms of how the characters are being performed and how things are written by people who are capable, yet some of those choices are just head-scratching. Like, why do you do it this way? But the fact that there are inexplicable choices being made is kind of what gives it that almost uh, so-bad-it's-good sort of feel if you have issues with it. Because it's not made by incompetence, but they're making like, whoa, what is with this choice? And I do think that there is some humor that's intended, though I don't think nearly as much humor uh, as comes across to 2022 years. And of course, some of it is the whole New York style of acting. I think as a rule, New York radio programs tended to be more melodramatic, tended to have actors acting much bigger, particularly when compared to their Hollywood counterparts. I think that distinction grew as Hollywood radio programs tended to feed off a lot of the culture of movies. And movies became less stagey as you went through the 30s into the 1940s, and you realized you don't need to act as big for a movie as you do in a theater. But uh, New York, you know, you had some movie companies in New York, but New York uh, continued to be dominated by the stage. And so I think, as a rule, New York productions tended towards more grandiose characters, more uh, sort of stereotypes. And so Philo Vance and Mr. Chameleon, and to uh, an extent, Casey Crime Photographer, were all part of that sort of New York radio culture. And then uh, we have a comment from Chris who says, uh, Love your show. Been a big fan of radio, especially the detective series. 
I have to say my absolute love is the old commercials. Was so happy to hear you're a local Boise guy. Just moved to Meridian uh, in 2020. Keep up the uh, work. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Chris, and welcome to the Treasure Valley. And I hope you enjoy it and really get a taste for normal uh, looks like here. 2020, things were so weird. And 2021, things are getting back to normal here in 2022. So many you know, great things to see. Hopefully start to see some of the races, uh, foot races that were such a big part of life here in the Treasure Valley. Couldn't you seem to go a week without a race uh, during the uh, spring through autumn? And then things just really dried up during the whole COVID era. To get back into that, and uh, at a point where Elijah will be up to riding through a 5K with me pushing a stroller, I think that's going to be awesome. Whatever you do, I hope you uh, enjoy it thoroughly here in uh, Treasure Valley, there's a lot to do, uh, and we're very busy, and sadly, our second story is never going to be about finding a kitten. But finding a kitten is great. Okay, now uh, time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to William, Patreon supporter since March of 2021, currently supporting us at the rookie level of $2 or more per month. Well, that will actually do it for today. I do want to encourage you, if you are listening on YouTube, be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. Now, all those things help the channel grow and help more people uh, be able to enjoy these programs. But uh, join us back here next week for another episode of Philo Vance. But coming up tomorrow, listen for an adventure with the man with the action-packed expense account where... Kemper immediately put out a call to pick up her boyfriend... And Kemper and I left for the Fifth Avenue shop. When we got there, Kemper pointed out the quarry, and I went to work. She was trying on a mink stole when I walked up to the sales lady. Oh, it's just lovely. Yummy. Yes, that's one of our nicer stalls. It's ranch mink, isn't it? Yes, but if you prefer... Oh, well, no, I'm just looking, but I'll probably be in next week and buy something. Certainly. <clears throat> oh, yes, sir. Can I help you? Well, yeah. I thought I'd like to buy a fur coat or something like that. Would you excuse me? Oh, sure. Go right ahead. I'll just look around. Oh, now, I didn't mean to bust up nothing. Well, that's all right. The lady's just looking. Well, okay. You sure you don't mind? Not a bit. Uh, sir, what kind of fur coat would you like? Well, I'd like something real nice. I'm just in New York for a couple of days. I'd like to bring my mama back a little present. You're from Texas? Why, yes, ma'am. How'd you know? Well, I, I can always tell Texas man. So tall and strong. Oh. Would you like something in me? I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.